Good evening, everyone. I'm delighted to be here, delighted that this conference is taking place, and I appreciate the opportunity to take part in uh, the, the preaching of the Word. It's always an honor to do that. Uh, Boyd asked me uh, to speak on Kingdom Victory from Revelation uh, 21 and 22, and so what I'm going to do is um, begin in just a minute by reading the first few verses of Revelation 21. But then through the message, I'll pull some more verses from those two chapters. But let me say this by way of introduction. Uh, Many people believe, including many Christians, that uh, when they die, that they'll go to be with the Lord. And then that will be the final eternal existence from that point on. But Scripture teaches us something different. Now, we'll say certainly we do believe, as the Bible teaches, that when a believer dies, he or she goes to be in the immediate presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. At the same time, this is not the final destiny of God's blood-bought children. The final destiny and the completion of our happiness, to use the word that Boyd just used, the consummation of our happiness will include the resurrection of our bodies and the new earth, which the Lord will bring about. And on this new earth, we'll have life in its absolute fullness. And there are many attributes about this life and about the new earth that we will consider tonight. But first, I will read Revelation 21, verses 1 through 3. Hear the word of the Lord. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Father, would you be pleased to bless the hearing of your word tonight, that we might not be built up in arrogance or just in knowledge, but built up in love, love of God and love of neighbor. And may our aspirations for the, the life and consummation ahead Uh, be all the greater. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've got a lot of points tonight, but I'll just jump right in. The first one is this, dear friends. In the final state, and by the way, I do want to give uh, a recognition. I used a lot uh, for this sermon information from Burkhoff's Systematic Theology and a book called The Bible in the Future by A.A. Hokema. So I just want to give credit where credit's due. First point is this, in the, the final perpetual existence, heaven and earth will no longer be separate, but they will come together forever. Now presently, heaven and earth, of course, are both real places, but they are separate. Scripture clearly teaches heaven as a real place, but it's separate from earth. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art 
in heaven. The Father is in heaven. And Scripture teaches us since Jesus' ascension that He bodily is in heaven as well. Acts 3.21 says, He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything. The Father is there. The Son is there. Also, the souls of His elect who have departed this life are there. When the thief on the cross said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom, Jesus answered him, Today, I, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Your loved ones in Christ who have passed away are with the Lord now. They're there with the Lord in spirit and in soul, but not with their bodies. We buried their bodies. Their bodies have turned to dust. Heaven is a real place, but it's separate from earth. Now, except for the extreme existentialists, I think we would all agree that earth is a real place. And it's also separate from heaven. Genesis 1.1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Colossians 1.16 tells us that by Christ, all things were created both in the heavens and on earth. And we're so blessed that as Scripture teaches us that the invisible qualities of God are seen by what has been made. We're blessed that the Holy Spirit has come to dwell into the life of the believer. Scripture says, in God we live and move and have our being. And, and so in a real sense, the kingdom of heaven is among us. Nevertheless, the unveiled presence of God and the bodily presence of Christ and the souls of the departed faithful are not here. Earth is a real place, but it's separate from heaven. And furthermore, this current earth, which is separate from heaven, will be destroyed by fire. Peter writes in 2 Peter 3, verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. The psalmist talks about that it will perish. It will wear out like a garment. That it will be discarded. Now, by the way, the question is raised sometimes of whether when the Lord creates this new world, whether it will be an entirely new creation, ex nihilo, out of matter that never existed before, or whether that new world will be a renewal of the present creation. And I don't think we have to solve that. People fall to both sides on the issue, but I'll just say, I tend to favor the idea that the present earth will be purified and renewed as part of that redemptive plan. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says, The anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God, that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption. And the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth. So you have this sense of anticipation of creation to be set free from the, the curse of sin that's come upon it. But after the destruction of the earth, after the great judgment, after the devil and his angels, and after the disobedient 
are thrown into the lake of fire. Scripture promises that God is going to create a new heaven and an earth that will no longer be separate. Peter writes this in 2 Peter 3.13, But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. The what? The home of righteousness. And that's what we just read about in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 3. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So that's the first point of many. Buckle your seatbelts. Heaven and earth will no longer be separate. They will come together forever. Second point is this. And the rest of it's going to be talking about what's that experience going to be in that Heaven and earth, and earth together forever combination. Number two point, we will have abounding, unfettered communion with God. Now, sin, Adam's sin fractured their communion with God. God came into the garden, Adam and Eve hid. But in the new heaven and new earth, we'll have abounding, unfettered communion with God. Again, from Revelation 21, verse 3. Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And you have also coming from Revelation chapter 21, verses 22 through 25, that describe it this way. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. People from all nations will be walking in the presence of God that illumines this new earth. Paul says it this way, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I also have been fully known. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. So with this new creation being established, the new Jerusalem descends out of heaven from God and the tabernacle of God is pitched among his people and the righteous enter into it into eternal joy. And there is immediate face-to-face communion with God and with the Lamb. We will see Jesus face to face. We will rejoice in God and glorify Him. We will find full satisfaction in Him. We will have abounding, unfettered communion with God in the new heaven and the new earth. Point three is this. We will have perfect fellowship with others. We'll not only have abounding communion with God, we will have perfect fellowship with others. Remember how sin fractured in Adam and and Eve's relationship? The woman you gave me, she, blah, 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 blah. I don't have to tell you that we live in a world 
where there is arguing and wanting one's way. But in this new heaven and new earth, the removal of sin will make our relationships the way that they should be. There will be no arguments, no fighting, no war, no pettiness, no selfishness. And there will be a recognition of one another. And there will be fellowship on this wonderful elevated plane. The, the Christians in Thessalonica were worried about what happened to their loved ones after they died. And Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talks about the return of Christ. And he says this, The dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. He was telling the Thessalonians, be encouraged. You will be with and see your loved ones again. Jesus made this really interesting remark. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And he's saying that the people to whom you have ministered in this life will welcome you into their rooms in our Father's house. Imagine the loved ones you'll see. My wife had a miscarriage early in our marriage, and I I fully anticipate getting to see the child I've never seen. We'll get to see the saints of Scripture who are famous to us through the pages of Scripture. In Hebrews 11.10, we read that Abraham was looking for a city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Cities have social interaction. We will sing together. We will enjoy this new life together. Point four. Nations of people will live together in peace. Revelation 21 Verses 23 through 26, or at least I'll read 20. No, I'll read 23 and 24. Well, we just talked about, well, I just read that. That it says, the nations will walk by its light. The nations will walk by its light. And then let me read to you from Micah chapter 4, verse, uh, verses 1 and 2 to begin with. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. And it shall be lifted up above the hills, and the people shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. And then dropping down just a couple more verses, it says, Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore, but they shall sit Every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. Nations of people will live in peace together. Point five, the new earth will be sadness free. Just following the opening verses that I read, verses 1 through 3 of chapter 21, Revelation, we continue with 4 and 5, and it says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death, 
There will no longer be any mourning. That's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. No more dejection. You struggle with depression, it'll be gone. Anxiety, it'll be gone. Despair, gone. Heartache, gone. Sense of loss, gone. It will be sadness free. In Isaiah chapter 65, we read this. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. Point six. The new earth will be pain-free. I'm turning 60 in less than a month. I know you can't believe it. (laughs) But I can't believe it. Now, fortunately, the Lord's given me good health, so I really don't don't struggle with pain. But but I'm aware that I'm I'm getting older like a fine wine, right? But but in (laughs) this new earth, it'll be pain-free. Our resurrected bodies will be sickness-free, pain-free, problem-free. Do you deal with an old football injury, injury from a car accident? Do you have this sickness that just won't seem to go away? Did you fall one time and hurt yourself and you still feel it? Do you feel the wear and tear of age? Maybe you were born with uh, some, some weakness or whatever. It'll be gone. 1 Corinthians 15 Verse 42 and 43 read this way. So it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable, it shall be raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. Verse 49, and just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, Adam, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. The new earth will be pain-free. Seven, the new earth will be sin-free. Revelation 21, verses 25 through 27. In the daytime, for there will be no night there. You know, it's interesting. I love the ocean. I like nighttime. The new heaven and earth will not have oceans, and it won't have night. But, but I trust the Lord with that. <laughs> In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. And they will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever enter into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The new earth will be sin free. In Revelation chapter 22, it says, There will no longer be any curse. Satan will not be present to tempt anymore. Satan will not be present to cast his fiery darts anymore. You'll not have to battle against the remaining sin that wants to rear its ugly head anymore. That old nature that still tries to rear its head from within you will be gone. 1 John 3, 
to, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but when, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Isn't that one? Now we're going to be like him in terms of being divine, but we will be like him in terms of no longer being sinful. And there will be that full conformity to the image of Christ. The new earth will be sin-free. Number eight, the new earth will be beautiful. Now, each of you could probably tell a story about a time when the beauty of the present earth struck you. I'll tell you one. When I can probably count all the times I've been snow skiing in my life on both hands. But one time I had the blessing to stand on the top of the Alps in Austria. And it began snowing. And there, I don't know if it is now, but, but, but back then, here in America, it's probably a good thing. They caution you here, don't go over here. You know, if you're gonna, they won't let you try to ski over an edge of a cliff here and all that. But, but there, if you want to kill yourself, you can, you know. <laughs> but just to stand on the top of that mountain and see the snow coming down was just beautiful. It was just beautiful. Well, the descriptions of our final existence delight the imagination. I'll read uh, Revelation 21, verse 10 uh, and following. And he carried, him, he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and his brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And then a little bit further, the wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. And then getting to the beginning of Revelation 22, it says, Then an angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down in the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Of course, much can be said about those verses, but let's acknowledge that that's beautiful. The new earth will be beautiful. Number nine, the new earth will be forever. Revelation 21.4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. Isaiah 55.13, instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree, instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign which shall not be destroyed. Hebrews 12, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Matthew 25, 46, the righteous go away to eternal life. And back to our 1 Thessalonians 4 passage, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Forever. Remember when I was in college, walking with a group of students down the street in we were singing Amazing Grace for some reason. I can't say that we were particularly spiritually minded, but we were singing that. And we got the part when we've been there 10,000 years. I grew up Southern Baptist and then Presbyterian. I mean, I'd sung that song a lot, but it hit me. 
when we've been there 10,000 years, we have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. It's forever. And eternal life is not just endless life. It is life in its fullness with no imperfections, nothing to disturb, nothing to destroy, and it will be forever. Number 10, and I need to chew on this one some more. And, and, I, and I hope I got this. I think it's right because I'm quoting Scripture. I don't think I got this one from uh, somebody I read. I, I, I may have come up with myself. You check it, boy, because uh, <laughs> you better not broadcast this until it has gone past the elders. But we receive this final state not only as a gift, but as an inheritance. Now, I've lost both my parents. My mother was the second one to pass. She passed about three years ago. And both my parents died with Alzheimer's. But my mother, while she still had some ability to think and discern, sat down with my sister and picked out a piece of jewelry for my wife, and for my three daughters. She personally selected four pieces of jewelry to go to my wife and to my three daughters. Now, for someone to have just given my daughters or given my wife those gifts would have been special. It would have been very special. But it's more than that. It's familial. It's an inheritance. And Scripture teaches us that we receive this as family, as adopted children, as inheritors. Romans 8, 16 and 17, we are children of God, and if children heirs also, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. Hebrews 9, 15, we who have been called receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Ephesians 1.11 Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. We receive this final state not only as a gift, but as an inheritance. Uh, number 11. We will reign with Christ. 2 Timothy 2, 11 and 12. It is a trustworthy statement, for if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Revelation 3, 21. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Revelation 5, uh, verses... 8 and 9 and 10. The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. They sang a new song. You were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. We will reign with Christ. I don't know all that that means. But that's special. 
And then the final point, number 12, is this. Jesus is the way to the new earth. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our focus is on Christ. If there's anyone here tonight who has not yet looked to Christ as the Savior, as the way, as the one who deals effectively with our sins, as the one who makes us co-heirs to receive the new heaven and new earth. I hope this will stimulate you. I would hope for any of us that the reality of hell should make us flee to Christ, would give us urgent compassion for those who don't know him. But by the same token, this new earth, this final place of existence where God is there with its fellowship, with its joys, with its beauties, may that propel us towards Christ, our Savior. Give us great hope in this life and also give us great compassion for others.